You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shoe. I mean shiny. You wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Kujo, that's Kujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. Uh, We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. Uh, You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. And while every episode of the podcast will always be free, you can find more of, or I'm sorry, <laughs> I just read the previous paragraph. I just started that. Um, while every episode of the podcast will always be free, uh, if you want to support us, uh, support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of our various podcasts. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and joining me today, as usual, is Tiny. And with a, we are we are being graced with the presence of a of a special guest this uh, this week, uh, Kim C from the delightful Year of Underrated Stephen King podcast, returning champion guest uh, after having us both on on her show, uh, she is willing to talk to us again <laughs> this time with both of us. So, uh, welcome to the show, Kim. How are you doing this evening? Oh, hello, friends. It's so great to be back and be with both of you. I got double prizes. I'm very happy. <laughs> nice. Well, welcome to the show. And of course, we're just huge fans of, of your show. Uh, we've both been on it. And like, I, I loved listening to your guys's episode, like you're you talking to Tiny and everything. And it was just it was just it was kind of surreal and fun to hear Tiny talk to someone else. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, yes, I'm delightful. Yes, you are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So uh, so yeah. Why don't you go ahead and refresh our listeners with, uh, even though they should know by now, they need to listen to your podcast. Uh, what your show is all about and uh, what you got, what you've got, kind of coming up on the show. I would love to. It's great to be back. But mm-hmm. for those of you who uh, haven't. Uh, found the show yet. I am a university English teacher and I started a Stephen King podcast because I fell in love with the less popular King novels, the ones that really don't get a lot of time in the sunshine. And I think there's some brilliant writing in them. And I wanted to share that with people and listeners and other constant readers who could chat about these books with me. So while I do love the Stephen King heavy hitters, the big mm-hmm. bestsellers and the ones that have all the movie adaptations, we got some quiet diamonds in the treasure box. So oh, yeah. I am spending some time 
hopscotching around these underrated novels. I'm reading them for the very first time, the ones that we just don't hear a lot about. And I am making my way through the Dark Tower series for the very first time. Yes. Yes. Yep. I'm I'm so excited <laughs> about that still. Like we had you on to talk about uh the wastelands and and a little bit of the gunslinger and, and drawing of the three and it's just it's so much fun to hear your thought process as you're going through it it's just it's a blast so uh do you want to give us a progress report on wizard and glass oh god oh my gosh you guys okay yeah. so if i'm not putting I, you too uh, much on the spot <laughs> No, I'm freaking out out of sheer, like, nice. I'm so excited to be back with the quartet. And mm -hmm. we are in this Kansas place right now where, and then yes. there's this, I just learned about a thinny. Mm -hmm. Holy hell, a thinny. Whoa. <laughs> and then there's like this green glass building that they have made it to. And it's very Wizard of Oz, like mm -hmm. Dorothy Toto Wizard of Oz vibes. I'm loving it. Nice. And then we have just made a huge jump into Roland's past. There's some lady, this mm -hmm. old person, um, Rhea, Rhea, mm -hmm. I think. So yeah. I'm like, what is happening? So I am loving it, you guys. I nice. am fully nerding out mm -hmm. and can't really read fast enough i just wish <laughs> that my life would leave me alone mm -hmm. um i don't want to be an adult i just want to read wizard and glass yeah oh yeah it ah oh, that one is just so it's so rich it's so rich in character and with backstory of roland it's ah oh, i love it so much i love it so much i can't wait to to like hear your podcast thoughts on it and everything I have a feeling this is a thick one, and I know mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to contain my excitement mm -hmm. for one part, so I'm going to have to two-part it. I'm just nice. going to have to. Oh, yeah. Choice. Yep. I'm just going to have to back up the truck and do a part <laughs> one and let it loose because, oh, my gosh, I am so yes. excited to be back with everybody. And nice. um, can you remind me the years between... Oh, yeah. wastelands and wizard and glass because i i want to say it was pretty lengthy for fans so yeah. i feel like it's been a while for me i can't imagine what it was like for actual fans of the series yeah i don't know because tiny and i we read it we read it all in like one go in turn like uh in, over the course of like a year i think um and so i'm just doing some quick math here wizard and glass came out in okay 97 so wizard and glass was published in november 1997 and the wastelands was published in 91 so there was a six-year gap between it wow yeah oh yeah and Dang. then yeah yeah was it really 90 yeah because then there was another six-year gap between uh wizard and glass and the final three um yeah uh yep yeah which speaking of which we just passed the anniversary of uh, Stephen King's accident. June uh, June nineteenth, uh, uh, nineteen ninety nine is when he had his accident, which is uh, <sighs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I, I'm just super thankful that he's still here. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Way too close. Way too close. There. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the detail he goes into and in on writing about it is just excruciating it's so painful to read um yeah 
but he's he's healthy now. It's good. He's okay. Um, <laughs> He'll live and, forever, I swear. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so Kim, where can we find your podcast, The Year of Underrated Stephen King? <laughs> I am featured on Apple Podcasts, a lot of the sort of podcast players out there, underrated SKPod at Twitter and Instagram, or you can always say hi the old school way, as I am an old school teacher at underrated SK at Gmail. If you want to say hi or listen to a past episode and you want to give me some cool ideas or observations i love direct quotes because literary analysis is my jam my Mm -hmm. butter and jam so (laughs) i will definitely have some fun nerding out with direct quotes but yeah i love to connect with listeners and i really like taking my time on these novels and looking at them the way that we would in school so i'm bringing a little bit of academia to the stephen king family at least i hope nice yeah well we're huge fans of it of of your show and everything and we're delighted to have you here um yeah uh tiny any thoughts on anything we <laughs> went through on anything, anything um yes. well it all started 35 years ago at a hospital in indianapolis <laughs> nice a cold january no <laughs> uh, oh i'm uh, i'm i'm ready to get uh get talking about these uh short stories we got tonight nice absolutely so today on the podcast we are going to be talking about uh two fantastic short stories from the skeleton crew collection and if i may just throw out a quick uh shameless plug on patreon at the two dollar level i have done what i'm dubbing the church of king series where i'm going through his collected short fiction works and basically what i'm doing is reading a story and then i'm recording my thoughts on it and putting those putting those recordings together and releasing them in just these big chunks of episodes on Patreon. So um, I've done Night Shift and Skeleton Crew and I think, oh, and I'm currently working on Nightmares and Dreams- Dreamscapes. And like Night Shift runs, I mean, a, a five-part series that's like six hours long, I think. And then Skeleton Crew is six, six, uh, six parts and six hours just about in nightmares and dreamscapes is going to be the same so uh check that out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer at the two dollar level you get that plus just a ton of other just ridiculous bonus stuff uh that i post on there so yeah um and yeah so when revisiting these stories in the skeleton crew collection i was just like okay this these these stories are just upper upper echelon for me and I'm just so excited to to talk about them <laughs> um, uh, with you guys. So do you guys want to go ahead and and go into our thoughts on uh, the first story, which is The Jaunt? Let's do it. All right. Awesome. So The Jaunt was first published in the Twilight Zone magazine in 1981, which, by the way, shameless plug again, I've relaunched my uh, Twilight Zone podcast anthology, anthologypod.com. Yes. So um so the jaunt is a story about the invention of teleportation and it is told through the perspective of a man who is trying to um explain to his children that they have nothing to worry about as they jaunt to Mars for a job opportunity. I think it's Mars. And um and yeah, throughout the course of the story we learn a lot of things and it ends on a 
a humdinger of an ending <laughs> that is haunting. Uh, so yeah, so what did you guys think of the jaunt in non-spoilers? And then if we need spoilers, we can go into spoilers later. But uh, the jaunt, what are your guys' thoughts on this short story? First. Oh, thank you so much. Such chivalry here. You guys are such gents. <laughs> Um, so I read Skeleton Crew for the first time just at the beginning of the year. So the jaunt, I had always heard it with such reverence, like, oh my God, the jaunt. And so yeah. I enjoyed the dystopian world building that mm -hmm. King brings to this because one of my big observations slash complaints with King's writing sometime is that he doesn't world build enough mm -hmm. and we got a really hefty dose of some cool apocalyptic um, content inside here, and it was really cool. However, <laughs> um, and so I read it again. I read it mm -hmm. again for the pod, so I'd be right. nice and fresh and ready to roll, being a profesh. <laughs> and so I read it again because I did have a little issue with the ending, and we can talk about that later. Okay. Because while it is quite chilling mm -hmm. and effective, I felt a little bratty about it, and I was unable <laughs> to suspend my disbelief on mm -hmm. some things. However, I like the fact that the structure of this story is, as you mentioned, a father talking to his children. But then we also have the scientist who discovered it, Victor Caroon. So we mm -hmm. have these huge deviations about Victor and how he discovered teleportation. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to appreciate in this story. But for being super duper sci-fi, Stevie's, <laughs> I was like, um... Steve, I know you were trying to go minimalist. I got a real brave new world vibe about this. Mm -hmm. Like, I know he was trying to go real minimal and sleek. I was like, but Steve, that doesn't make sense. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really, really like the jaunt. I really like it. Do I love it? No. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Nice. I was, <laughs> I was going to say you've, you've laid down the gauntlet or should I say jauntlet? Um, for oh. this discussion, um, that's a dumb. Classic, um, Matt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Tiny, what are your thoughts on the John? Because you just recently read it for the first time, like very recently, I believe, right? A couple weeks ago. Um, nice. and thankfully, I was able to listen to it a second time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I listened to the uh, audiobook Audible, yeah. so um, I really enjoyed it myself. Um, it seemed a little. Uh, a little unconventional for Stephen mm -hmm. King because of the sci-fi aspect. It, um, it's really fitting that it uh, premiered in the Twilight Zone magazine because it yeah. totally feels like a Twilight Zone episode. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, King King draws from the sci-fi well um, several times throughout his uh, throughout his career, but this feels, feels like a... I mean, it really does feel like a Twilight Zone episode. It feels very kind of like pop sci-fi. Yeah. Um, where there's this, it's it's sort of like uh, Philip K. Dick kind mm. of um, feeling to it, where it's this nice. um, yeah. very kind of fluid, um, straightforward kind of kind of thing, and then it has this little horror ending at the end of it, um, which is again on par for the Twilight Zone. Um, but it seemed, um, it just it just seemed kind of out of left field for him, or just not in his wheelhouse, I guess. But 
I think he did a fantastic job with it. Um, I, I kind of think Kim and I might agree with the ending. It's a little, um, just a little, I don't even know how to say it really, or maybe we can <laughs> get to it better in, in spoilers, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, the, the journey's fun though. And it's, it's interesting how, um, it's, it, I, I would have thought I wouldn't have been receptive to it cause it's, it's very expositioning. It's a guy literally yeah. telling a story to his kids and it's, it's not even a story. It's, it's kind of, um, explaining something to his kids and it kind of seems like that wouldn't be the best idea he makes it work and and i think it uh you know if someone tried to adapt this um i think it would be uh you'd have to kind of change the format i think um but i ended up liking it quite a bit and uh i was just really had a good time with how kind of out of the wheelhouse of stephen king it was yeah that's what really struck me about it was that it did feel like that just more hardcore science fiction that we don't really see in King's writing. And when we do see it in his writing, it doesn't really work quite as well normally. Like I'm thinking of like the Tommyknockers or Dreamcatcher having more of a sci-fi horror bend. But here is like this story to me just really grabbed me because of, like Kim said, the world building, the, the way that king utilizes his strength as a storyteller in how it's an it's a it's an example that's used in tons of stephen king's work over the decades that it's a the structure of it is a character telling a story to other characters and that story kind of coming to life through the storytelling that he's giving to his to his sons or to his son and daughter um like that the way that that kind of divulges information to us as the audience versus giving us information about the world and the the kind of social and economical and um uh you know uh industrial i guess um ramifications of teleportation and everything is just really interesting to me <laughs> and uh and i just really like the way that king kind of th- thinks these things through and then spends the time to really kind of dive into them and explain certain aspects of it that you wouldn't really necessarily think about or want to really consider consider when you just want to do like a fun little sci-fi story. So, I don't know, I just really appreciate the storytelling there, but yeah, the the ending worked for me, but I'm very eager to kind of talk about it with you guys because uh cuz it's <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's it's kind of I didn't mention the world building. It's kind of amazing what he was able to achieve with a short story too. Yeah. Um because you know, it's kind of a, a big hill to climb to mm-hmm. establish all this backstory and this character that's, you know, invented this thing and his story and you, know, you wouldn't think um uh, the whole economic side of it and everything. You just wouldn't expect that much depth in a short story. Yeah he manages he manages to pull it off i mean mm-hmm. he's 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 a master he pulled it off oh yeah totally i'm so glad you mentioned philip k dick tiny because that is such a great comparison or yeah. um oh who's the guy fahrenheit 450 bradbury oh bradbury i got a real bradbury vibe as well mm-hmm. where king really went futurist in this story which yeah. i think is a rarity for us in his work because it's just he just doesn't go that deep and he yeah. went real deep he talked about frighteningly contemporary subjects of like water wars and yes. interstellar yeah. oil gathering and 
just frightening resource depletion and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is too timely. Yep. Um, but I, I loved it. I love how he went real futurist with this story. And it's very cool. Oh, yeah. And in the collection, there's another story called Beach World that is another like very much heavy sci-fi futurist story. But it doesn't really work as well as the jaunt for me just because it's more of a conventional storytelling kind of structure and it doesn't have that just power behind it that that the jaunt does. It kind of like the jaunt reads like King is very excited to explore the world that he created in this short story. And that really comes through in a big way. And yeah, it's just it's so it's so colorful with detail and even like 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 you were talking about Kim the kind of dystopian aspect of it like the the use of like prisoners and everything and the testing of the of the teleportation and the jaunting and stuff is just handled so expertly in the way that it creates this just almost normalization of the completely kind of insane and and morally heinous and uh, morally questionable stuff uh, kind of all around this creation of 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 basically just teleportation <laughs> like a way to get people from point a to point b um it's just it's really cool yeah definitely yeah he owns it he just like owns it in this story he just gets in there <laughs> and he's like yep this is what the world will look like in 2300 yep we uh teleportation is discovered in 1987 and we go all the way into the year 2300 where yeah. it is just a day's work to jaunt mm -hmm. to mars for a couple months yep oh that's wild it's so wild it's it's so insane um we like I think Tiny you mentioned about ad adapting it um there was like news about it being adapted into a TV series um at some point I don't know if that's still in development or not that was f relatively recently within the last couple of years but then obviously covid so who knows but uh how would you guys want to see this adapted would you want to see like a a feature film like movie or would you want a limited series or a full-fledged TV series um what do you guys think I think I could really go either way. I'm I'm such a big TV buff now. I feel mm -hmm. like that's where um where all the glory is right now. Yeah, that there's bad movies, but I just love TV right now. And so I'm part of me is saying Black Mirror full full on oh, Black Mirror yes. episode would be fantastic. But like yeah. I said earlier, I'm a little worried that some of that world building world building would get lost in the shuffle mm -hmm. for time constraints. You know, um, unless it was like a two hour episode. Yeah. black mirror is never done so i mm -hmm. i wouldn't see that happening um yeah and then you know i feel like a movie could get a way over produced too many too many cooks in the kitchen kind of situation yeah like what happened with the dark tower movie mm -hmm. um we don't so, talk about the dark tower movie <laughs> <laughs> across the line yes um <laughs> But yeah, I I could see it going either way. But I guess I guess if I had to choose, I would say let's let's make it a Black Mirror episode. That would be really fun to see. You're speaking my language like that. <laughs> now that's all I'm going to be thinking about is if they were to adapt this into a Black Mirror episode. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kim, how would you adapt it? How would you want to see it adapted? 
My first thought was limited series, like, Mm -hmm. let's do it. Let's just go big and do a whole, just expand on the characters and we could all be jaunt workers and like... This is just part of normal society. The world is a toilet and everybody jaunts (laughs) and just have a bunch of characters and let's do it. But then I thought about what you mentioned about the Twilight Zone aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And there is something very close to that formula that I think needs to be preserved in. So I feel you're right, Tiny, like a, a really punchy Black Mirror kind of maybe 90 minute could we get like a 90 minute or that would be cool because the ending is the reason why people remember this story Mm -hmm. it is all about that punchy ending so i think if we expanded that the magic might get lost a little bit um because if we did a limited series we would have to have a lot of punchy endings just like that and then it would just be a terror fest and then who knows but Uh, I do agree that we probably would have to stick to its roots and just Mm -hmm. do like a really freaky one-off. Yeah. It's funny because I have been of the thought that, oh yeah, this should definitely be like just a feature film, like one and done feature film, no sequels, no franchise, nothing like that. But the thought of packaging it into like a Black Mirror episode is just too tantalizing for me. Like that is perfect. And... Like I know that they're, uh, I'm I was I was ecstatic to hear this, but they are working on the new season of Black Mirror, and they specifically said like, yeah, this is going to be huge in terms of like episodes, like the episodes are going to be like movies, they're they're going to be like feature length. So I don't know, someone should really get the get the jaunt like kind of under the nose of Charlie Brooker and uh, have him adapt it because oh, that would be such a perfect fit, such a perfect fit. Um, but yeah, and I, I kind of think that the structure of this story and the way that it is very much a Twilight Zony type of story, I think that that's one of the reasons that it really speaks to me because I, of course, shameless plug of anthology pod, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) the, I just, I just recently got to the halfway point of the Twilight Zone and it's my first time watching the show. I'm podcasting about it and everything. And it's literally like my f- one of my absolute favorite shows and favorite experiences. So as I'm kind of learning more about the Twilight Zone as I do the podcast, I'm seeing all of the Twilight Zone influence on King. Like all of all of like the times that Rod Serling has influenced Stephen King in one way or the other. And the jaunt is in some cases um, sort of a an ode or um yeah an ode to like the twilight zone and and like richard matheson and other like writers um of like that were connected to the twilight zone and of course you know uh uh, we just said his name philip k dick um so uh who never did a twilight zone episode but anyway um it's just it like that symmetry and like of influence to finished uh creative output from king is just really really cool and appetizing to me so that's what really drew me to the story um yeah yeah sorry if i rambled there (laughs) oh that was great (laughs) nice um okay should we talk about the ending and go into spoilers gotta do it okay all right i'm gonna play some music and then we're gonna come back and talk spoilers for the jaunt so stay tuned 
All right. And spoilers on for the jaunt. Um, so the end of the story is uh, the kid opened his eyes when <laughs> he shouldn't have. And his mind was completely thrust into eternity. And the haunting final lines are, uh, it's longer than you think. It's longer than you think because... It's uh, the time he spends uh, with his eyes opened is an eternity. So you got like I was I was just floored by it. Absolutely floored by the ending. I loved it. It was haunting. It haunts my dreams. It's it's horrifying. What what did you guys think of the ending and how did it? I don't want I don't want <laughs> I don't want to have such a loaded question, but what didn't really work for you guys? <laughs> Him. Okay. Okay. So what I where I had some problems mm. is so when you jaunt, the way it works is you have to be asleep. Mm-hmm. So in this sort of jaunt launch facility they're all in, it's similar to an airport, is what King describes. A mask is put over your face, you are unconscious, and you jaunt. And that's the only way it works, because if you are not asleep, you will jaunt into eternal nothingness. Mm -hmm. And basically, your brain turns to scrambled eggs. And Mm -hmm. then when you get to the other side, not only are you crazy, but you are old as hell, right? You (laughs) are just... And so the young son, this is... I don't think it's a direct quote, but he's close. He said, I took the mask off or I didn't go to sleep. Like I want, I held my breath. Mm -hmm. I forget the direct quote, but he doesn't let the gas make him go to sleep because he was so curious. Mm -hmm. So when he jaunts, as you mentioned, and he, he claws his eyes out. We got to remember that part. He claws his eyes out, (laughs) just carnage and horror. So my only problem was, is I know that and again, I'm trying to let this go. I think mm-hmm. I just need to let it go. But the way I see it is, okay, jaunting is just a part of futuristic society. And I was like, and you wouldn't plug anybody into vital signs? Like, <laughs> you wouldn't have vital signs for any paying customer to transport them interstellar travel? Like, no heart monitor would have been hooked up at all? Like... I can't. And so (laughs) I know I just need to let it go. But for me, it's like, okay, we are an advanced civilized society. Every single person would have had vital signs, heart rate, oxygen, like they would have been able to detect that he wasn't yet asleep or uncaught. Like, I just was like, oh, I right. And you're right. I need to let it go. (laughs) And maybe I will. But I was just like, really we we as a species you just jaunted somebody some kid and he wasn't asleep really so i know that sounds super bratty and it's hard with sci-fi it's hard he was Mm -hmm. going for a more minimalist approach but that is why i like the jaunt but that and that ending is terrifying but i think Mm -hmm. i liked the prison experiment more than the final ending because that guy awoke And then he, like, has a stroke right away. Mm -hmm. And also, if the young boy, he goes into eternity and comes out, he's 
just ranting, you would be nonverbal at that point. Like you would be like, he would just be screaming and drooling. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think he would have language at the, I thought about it too long. I nerded out a mm-hmm. uh, tiny, I passed the mic. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm glad you went first. Cause that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I oh, think wow. 300 years in the future, we don't have like a medical chip implanted in the back of our brain that's telling us whether or not we're awake or not. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Wow. Um, I agree with that fully. I also think two other things. Gas is like, oh, they wouldn't use gas because gas is a very temporary. Like, you know, if you, if you go to the dentist and you have dental work and they give you the laughing gas or whatever, but the mask has to stay on your face and within couple minutes of taking it off you're awake and Mm -hmm. wearing off and you would be conscious you know um so i think it would be chemical i think you'd get an injection to knock you out so there's no risk of someone doing something like that um and then the other thing was um uh gosh what was i gonna say oh i think the whole whole thing of like their hair turns white (laughs) Yeah. That's just like a little, that's, you saw that in a, um, you saw that in an adaptation that would just be kind of dumb. Like a little, a little 12 year old <laughs> kid with jet white hair. It would it like kind of took me out of it for a second. I was like, like a tiny little, he looks like Benjamin Button, you know, sitting there. <laughs> um, that would just be silly. I think, um, oh, wow. I don't, I don't dislike it. And, mm-hmm. um, I kind of love the ending because uh, did, did you guys uh, read, listen to the audio book or did you both read it? Uh, I did both. both. Yeah, I yeah. did physical and audio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I think the performance, I don't remember the actor who read it. I can't remember his name. Cause there's, they use like 20 different people for this. Yeah. Um. Uh. He, his, it added to the chill, his performance added to the chill. Like I genuinely give him credit for that. Cause it was, I think he could have kind of crossed the line and sort of been a little, uh, a little goofy <laughs> to, to hear him yeah. going crazy essentially. Um, but I think he, he did a good job and it, it added to how effective and chilling it was. Um, his performance was, was good and that added to it and gave it another layer that I really liked. Um, but yeah, those, those are my minor issues with the ending. I, it just, it just took me out of it for a second, but I, I still, I still like the ending um, and like the story. Like Kim said, I don't know if I'd I love it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I, I totally agree with you on that part wholeheartedly. It is. And the, the narrator's performance definitely heightens it. Like you get to Mm. sense that madness, but I do love and reading it again before the show. What I Mm. loved is it's a fast transition. The dad jaunts, And then in like one line, everyone is screaming, people are running. And so you as the mm-hmm. reader are like, oh my God. So there's a really cool suspenseful drop when we see like, oh my God, something really bad happened. And then he describes what the boy looks like. So yeah, there's a lot to appreciate in those that final moment. But I just, oh, it'll take <laughs> me time. But I'm like, I just feel like this... It, I, I like it a lot, but it prevents me from loving it. It just really prevents me from loving it. And I, and every person I meet who's like, yeah. I'm obsessed with the John. It's the best story. I was like, can we talk? Can we chat a little bit? <laughs> yeah. 
and and those are completely valid criticisms and everything. And I was trying to find the the narrator, but I can I can I can Google quick enough. But um, yeah, I I feel like I am just way more forgiving, like to a fault, for like science fiction stuff like that. Because um, you guys are absolutely right. Like you you would think that they would that they would make sure that they their vitals are completely in check and that they are completely sedated and completely ready to go. But then again, we're also talking about a society that kind of that kind of experimented on prisoners um and did like these very like morally objecting uh, uh, morally like horrible kind of things to get the technology down. So I would think like if I were to, if I were to make excuses, um, I would say, well, maybe the people in charge don't have like the, uh, the necessary, um, like governmental oversight because the government doesn't care about the citizens. They just care about the bottom line and, and the economic, uh implications of being able to you know jaunt people across the across the known universe so that they can make money for them <laughs> that's my that's my rationale that's my that's my making excuses for king <laughs> um, segment of the podcast <laughs> it works it totally works and sometimes i always do a tk edit so mm-hmm. my edit was i i wish we could have got more present day like people who jaunt all the time like are you able to jaunt all the time because my thought similar to yours matt was like what if one of the nurses had just recently jaunted and she's like something like an Mm -hmm. error a human error like she just hit the button before something simple like that Mm -hmm. where we had the effects of jaunting Mm -hmm. harm future jaunters i don't know that would be my edit if i was on the 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 black mirror episode Mm -hmm. and i was on the storyboard team i would be like this is what we're doing nice Mm, nice i like that nice yeah that would be an interesting angle and if they do make the tv series like i think that there are so many applications that can be used like they can do like conspiracy aspects to it and i just think that king has laid the groundwork for a very cool like dystopian futuristic uh story um so yeah it took me a little bit to warm up to the idea of doing a tv series but um but oh if they do i will be all over that and reviewing it for sure (laughs) like every episode on patreon um yeah um Kind of a fun, a fun little story um, mm-hmm. that I, I'm glad I listened to. Sometimes audiobooks aren't the best medium for, mm-hmm. for reading a story. Um, there was a fun little <laughs> that happened. Uh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I listened to the audiobook for this because there's mm-hmm. a part where um, kind of a little vignette that's in the story where King is talking about someone who used the jaunt to murder his wife. Um, I don't remember oh, the character's yeah. name, but it's kind of a short, probably like a paragraph or two, but mm-hmm. he's saying like the guy like worked at a jaunt lab or something and he basically tied his wife up and put in no destination, just threw her through the portal and she lost in purgatory, basically. I forgot about that. Yeah. And so yeah. it moves to, he gets, you know, he gets arrested and he's on trial and his lawyer is saying, well, 
you prove that she actually died? Should he be committed? Mm. To, should he be convicted of murder? Because you can't really prove that she's actually dead. Mm. So I have a I have a degree in criminal justice, and I kind of wanted to go that route for a long time. And so my mind, I have those gears kind of those synapses kind of link up in my head, and I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting point. How would would you prove that she's actually dead? And then as I'm as the gears are turning in my head, next sentence he says like character ended up being convicted of murder and they put him to death i was like oh <laughs> jesus like I, I audibly was like oh damn like i didn't even get to run with that for longer because they just killed him i was nice. like Man, this is really a dystopian story <laughs> but it was it just it retro in retrospect made me laugh nice i forgot about that i forgot about that part and yeah. that's such a huge part and i forgot about it and it's so awesome so awesome yeah yeah absolutely holy crap that was yeah that's awesome um yeah so uh so yeah any parting thoughts on the jaunt um to kind of wrap up this review of the jaunt uh yeah um where would you rank it in the story like i know tiny i know you haven't read that much short fiction of kings but where would you guys rank it in terms of like overall king writing in short fiction again i think i would give it an honorable mention for right now it doesn't really break into my silver bronze gold uh but it's an honorable mention it's definitely warming the bench because there's a lot to appreciate there and i'm really loving a, a second read mm -hmm. and i was i was pleased that we talked about it because i did read it again and enjoyed it much more the second time because i think that first time nice. you're like all right what's going on and everyone says this is a crazy good story and i'm mm -hmm. gonna love it and so you go into with it um with a lot of preconceived notions and and things that you're you're ready to plug in like i'm supposed to like this and then <laughs> uh and then you get so this second read really gave a lot more and i found myself loving the futurism that king did and it's a fascinating topic. Like interstellar jaunting is so cool. Oh, yeah. And I, the premise is just fire hot. I really, really like it. So this is an honorable mention for me. Nice. I currently have it listed as my number two favorite Stephen King short story. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. And... I kind of stand by that. I, I think that as I go through the collections again, um, there's bound to be something that'll pop up that will really, really just reinvigorate me and, and really jump up in, in my mind and everything. But for now, yeah, it is it is my number two. It is right above uh actually it's right above Sometimes They Come Back from Night Shift, which I still think is a fantastic short story um yeah yeah kim have you read night shift at all yet not yet i know okay. for shame <laughs> for shame i know that that one's the that's the hot girl in school right so we went in <laughs> she's real popular mm -hmm. right so <laughs> we are waiting to spend time with her mm -hmm. for until later we've got a nice. lot of other nice folk with great personalities and we're gonna date them first <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well said yeah oh, that's great the thing about but night I, shift, I know yeah. i know that that collection is just amazing and yeah. i'm excited to read it. i really am yeah but uh we're gonna take our time we'll, we'll get nice there. That is understandable. And I think I may have said this to you at some point, either on your show or on here or 
wherever but um night shift is like it's it's basically um the cat from hell story from just after sunset that just crazy bonkers cat from hell story (laughs) it is that for an entire collection (laughs) it's that oh my gosh yeah because the cat from hell was written around the time that he wrote like these stories and everything and it's like it is so quick so dirty so just gritty it's it's clearly like one of the most fascinating things about night shift for me is that it's clearly king writing to put food on the table and put penicillin in his kids for their illnesses and stuff like he is writing he's hungry and he's writing to put food on the table and it is it is just nuts (laughs) it's awesome (laughs) yeah um, that was amazing oh thank you thank you and tiny you haven't read any of night shift have you oh no i haven't okay um i'm even mo- less experienced in short stories mm-hmm. than, than both of you guys are so um nice. yeah, but my my thoughts on it i i i really enjoyed the story a lot i mean mm-hmm. i, I kind of ragged on it a little bit but um yeah, it's really fun it made me think um i was curious about it because i know it was like a teleportation mm-hmm. story and you know there's the fly already exists and i love that yeah. movie the, you know um that's more like a biological mm-hmm. uh physical exploration of how teleportation is and i i really like this the aspect i didn't mention this of this story that it kind of touches on consciousness and um mm-hmm. the really cool line that the main character mark says he says um your consciousness doesn't particulate it's mm. not not tangible so you know transportation or uh, teleportation is a physical thing that takes physical particles and moves them your consciousness is not a physical thing and i thought that was a very cool aspect point to touch on and i'm yeah. glad that king kind of ran with that that's sort of the theme that it's us to the conflict at the end um, that was really fun. Um, so yeah, I don't, nice. I don't have any kind of short story list going yet mm-hmm. or anything because I haven't read enough of it yet. But I, I see this kind of being in the middle, middle of the pack probably yeah. uh, in in the long run because I know there's some really great ones out there and some not great ones. So, um, but yeah, I definitely like nice. it. Awesome. I love the science. The yeah. science. I, I I love that we keep finding those little nuggets of science because I'm like, oh yeah, this story is so sciency, mm-hmm. super sciency. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely um all right well that is our review of the jaunt and let us uh go ahead and move on to the second review of the evening uh survivor type also in skeleton crew also just nuts um <laughs> it was first published in the 1982 horror anthology terrors and it was actually adapted into the first segment of um, a creep show animated special on Shudder in 2020, uh, starring the vocal talents of, um, of, of, of Stephen King alum Kiefer Sutherland and Faina Sanchez. Uh, so yeah, so Survivor Type is about a physician or surgeon who is shipwrecked on a very small island with no hope of rescue, no food, um, and only a bunch of heroin and his medical (laughs) know-how and what he does is very crazy (laughs) and um very just it it's so interesting to me so uh survivor type what did you guys think of this short story that stephen king himself has said is 
very nasty. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but yeah, uh, he he has said some things about it. Um, what do you guys think of um, Survivor type? Like him. Oh, sweet Anthony, you're so nice. Um, <laughs> so. I just want to plagiarize what you say, actually. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, all right. So when I read Survivor Type, I felt very similar to how I felt with the jaunt because we got some implausibility toward the end, yeah. just a little bit. However, here's where the magic happened. So after I finished Skeleton Crew, move on to other stuff on the podcast, I kept thinking about survivor type. Nice. And I'm like, what is, why? What is wrong with you, Kim C? <laughs> like, let it go. It's just this guy. But we have a truly amazing story. And I think the ending is what people remember. And that's what gets this story sensationalized is it's pretty zany. It's pretty wild at the end. But when I spend some time with it again for this second read, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is beautiful because King gives us an epistolary short story. It's Mm -hmm. all written in journal entries. And this is where having the text is really cool because he kind of does what he does in Misery where the text is art. So there's a lot of weird letters and phrasing and misspellings and it just becomes very artistic. And the character, Richard Pine, which that's his his name that he changed. It's Richard Panzetti or Mm -hmm. Pansetti, I think. And he's just like this cocky SOB, right? But he he he's one of those arrogant guys who you're like you're a douchebag but then you see how smart they are you see their actual report card and you're like you ass like you're just like fine fine you're you're hot and smart you can be arrogant you're just you're just all of it and a bag of chips okay and that's richard and he just fought and dug in and he's like, I'm the best. I'm going to be the best. And I want to be a surgeon. And I'm also going to deal drugs because why not? I'm <laughs> awesome. And then he gets on this island and he starts to struggle. And we see the descent as the reader. And I'm like, this is yeah. epic awesome. Like, oh, oh my yeah. God. So I love the hell out of Survivor type. And it took me <laughs> a couple weeks I don't know what happened. This weird little story just kind of got in like sand in my shoe. I was like, what is got? Why am I still thinking about it? And that for me is the mark of something special. So survivor type is cool as hell. I loved it. Nice. Nice. Well said. Tiny, how did you feel about survivor type? Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I I fully agree uh, with what Kim said. I really like this one too. I think I like it better uh, than John, just just a little bit. Um, the story was pitched to me, by Kim. I had never even heard of it. Yeah. So when we were yeah when we recorded, yeah, right. she uh, I I mentioned how I've mentioned it on this podcast before how isolation is one of my favorite themes in art. I I just I love it. It speaks to me. I just saw the thing. Mm-hmm. Weekend, which isolation is a huge theme in that in that story. Um, I, I just love it. And and what's so funny about this story is that isolation is a huge part of it. But it gets totally um, devalued because the character is such a dick and is such a narcissist <laughs> and is so full of himself. 
he doesn't even care. Like he doesn't care that he has no one to talk to or that he's stranded. And it's not, it's not even an issue that he's isolated. And that's, <laughs> I don't know that I've really experienced that with, uh, with, with a theme where I, or with a story where isolate, isolation is such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really fun just to, it's like oh wow he's on an island though that's crazy and Mm -hmm. i immediately start getting nervous i'm like oh my god that would just absolutely kill me if i was so isolated and within a few pages or paragraphs or a few minutes of listening to it i'm like oh this isn't even a factor because he's such a (laughs) such a narcissist um yeah yeah, so that that's so funny how how that wasn't even a factor in the story um because of the character I, i think that's what's so so easy to focus on with this story is that the character completely flips so many things on its head. That's, that's what's so fun about it. Um, because just cause of who he is. Um, and then I, um, was thinking about some of the, um, the science of this and some of the, <laughs> yeah, like, like Kim was saying, I was like, this is kind of ridiculous, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I, I think, but I think it's, I think King does a good job navigating that. And just, I think he does a good job justifying it. And we can, we'll talk about that in spoilers, but yeah. um, I, I really like this story. Um, again, I love the performance. I think audio, audio book was a good medium for this story. Um, I would be curious to see it in um, physical form though. Cause I think um, it'd be fun to see the typos like Kim was saying and see if, you know, as he gets progressively um, more and more worn down physically to see if, you know, the, his, his, his uh, handwriting starts to run and get yeah. real, real ragged and stuff like that. That'd be fun to look at, but um, all in all, I'd really, really dug this story. Nice. And yeah, this is on my list. I, I mean, I don't know if this is where it's going to stay as I continue going through, but it's my number one favorite Stephen King short story. <laughs> it's Yay, above the, nice. the John. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it's because of just the way the the places that it goes, the way it subverts the kind of, I guess you would say, traditional castaway story in that he is intentionally making this uh, this protagonist into such an ass. Like he is someone who is just out for himself. He is only concerned with his his preservation, his his ego is out of this world. He's filled with arrogance. He's not doing anything for the greater good. He it's all in service of his own, his own lifestyle, his own experience. And to put us into that perspective with that character and then take us down the road that he goes down himself is really interesting because the story never the story never switches around for us like it never makes us feel empathy for him to any certain extent it is just like oh now he's doing this to himself to survive now he's doing this wow that's pretty crazy um <laughs> like all right it's not like you're not like waiting for him to be rescued and everything it's like how far is this asshole gonna push himself to to get to a, like it's such a weird thing because it makes me like think with these types of stories like you want to you want to um you want to build up this the character you want him like you want the protagonist to succeed you want tom hanks to get off the island and talk to helen hunt 
um helen hunt right yeah um you want you want this to happen but with this it's like well it's probably not going to happen but let's see let's see him chip away at himself some more and and like yeah. see like like just give up dude but okay um yeah and i'm sure that there's like some psychological stuff to it or some subtext to it that i might that it, that might be maybe a little bit above my pay grade or anything or maybe it's something that i'm just digging mining too deep into but like just someone who is so in love with himself to do the things that he does to survive but at the expense of himself but also experiencing things I, it's hard to say without spoiling it but the things that he does it's just it's it's insane it's absolutely insane <laughs> um yeah in in gruesome gruesome um yeah like when we were talking about the jaunt tiny mentioned the fly the Cronenberg movie with Jeff Goldblum and like that is a that's a movie that our friend Mike has suggested that I see it's on it's like the top movie on his list of horror movies that I should watch and I still haven't done it because I am terrified of David Cronenberg and I'm terrified of body horror and everything and weirdly enough like this story I'm just like yeah okay get it let's do it let's (laughs) let's lady fingers yeah (laughs) it's just it's it's pretty wild um yeah i i really really enjoyed the story um yeah yeah you're in good company it's it's badass and it's oh yeah i i love what you what you mentioned about this character being a narcissist and such an ass and that's Mm -hmm. what he is so we have zero empathy for him as the reader which it's fascinating right oh yeah this guy is passed away and we don't care if he dies we're kind of just watching morbid fascination of how long is it going to take you to die bro you know but there's this fascinating grit he has and one of the things i absolutely love and i noticed it so much stronger in this second read is i think he's super in love with himself but Mm -hmm. there is one thing that he values more than that and yes he's very reverent with surgery stuff Mm -hmm. like he's incredibly the way he phrases things like uh, I tied off the femoral artery, and of course I used iodine because I don't mm-hmm. want infection. And there's there's a lot of medical reverence, like the tone in which he talks about these procedures that he's about to do on himself. It's like there is one thing, and it could just be he's just an arrogant surgeon and he knows mm-hmm. he's smart, he knows he's the best, but it's fascinating. And I think king's friend i think it's russell door he always used to that was his doctor friend and it helped him write a lot of books mm-hmm. i think he probably contributed quite a bit to this because the the body horror is totally there and what i but yeah what i notice is there's such a reverence with all the surgery stuff and all yeah. the medical talk it was like he was lovingly like well of course i'm going to delicately mm-hmm. wrap it and and I'm like, what's what is this? I, yeah. Why do I like you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that kind of whole god complex thing. Like he is in control of of a situation, or he's in he has life and death in his hands, and like he has this reverence for the tools he has, which are his hands and everything. And I was going to make the joke that it's like, it's like, it's like listening to me talk about podcast equipment Um, (laughs) because I'm kind of an ass about that. But, um, (laughs) um, but yeah, I, he's, 
it's so interesting to see a character who is so in love with himself doing things to himself so that he could survive with like the kind of underlying like subtext being that he feels and maybe this is me projecting onto the character but he feels that he is needed in the world he is needed to survive there's no outward like outward drive that's making like he doesn't have like a significant other at home or anything or he's not like he doesn't think that he's going to cure some incurable disease or whatever he's just like no i'm i'm awesome i'm helping sell heroin and i uh am good at like surgering surgerying people um (laughs) and it's just it's it that arrogance is I hate to admit it. It is very, very intoxicating and enthralling. It's just, it's just so crazy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Same. hundred yeah. percent. And it's, it's funny. I think what's, what's so fun about anti-heroes is that they're not likable or they do bad things, but despite that you want to see them win. Yeah. And I don't even know if this guy qualifies as an anti-hero. I think he's <laughs> right. just a villain. And he's a he's just terrible, and it's like almost more fun because it's yeah. like you actually want to see him ill because mm-hmm. he's so arrogant and full of himself, and yeah, um, and t- terrible that you kind of want to see him fail, but you want to see him go through some shit first. So he's got to succeed a little bit to get there. Absolutely, um, yeah. That's that that that's what's so fun about this story. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Oh yeah. Do you guys want to talk about it in more specific stuff in spoilers? I think we gotta. I think we gotta. The ending is the reason why people remember Survivor Type, so we gotta go there. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are gonna go ahead and go into spoilers for Survival Type. I'm gonna play some music, check the timestamps, all that stuff. So when we come back, we're gonna spoil Survivor Type. All right, so spoilers on for Survivor Type, and I don't know where to begin. This guy cuts off parts of his body to eat so that he can survive on the island. When this part happened in the book, or the story, the first time that I read it, I was like, I think, like, I squealed in excitement. Like, I was just (laughs) thinking, like, holy shit, King is going there. Like, this is... This is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. And in classic King fashion, he goes into it with like a an analytical approach and very detailed oriented, very process filled. And it's just it works like gangbusters for me. So, yeah. What did you think about the self cannibalization of survivor type (laughs) or self cannibalism, I guess? Thank you so much. So, well, firstly, (laughs) how it gets started, and I think this is important to talk Mm -hmm. about, is he, their character Richard breaks his foot. So he breaks his foot really bad, compound Mm -hmm. fracture. He lets the reader know my foot is super messed up to the point where I'm in excruciating pain and and him being a very knowledgeable surgeon, he's like, I I think I might have to amputate. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way around this. So the amputation came out of necessity. Mm-hmm. But then he, I believe, 
eats his foot. I don't mm-hmm. that well he eats the other foot a little bit later, but yeah. <laughs> I think I was shocked. I was shocked by the self cannibalization. Mm-hmm. But what kind of came in there that snuck in and wouldn't let go is the same kind of thing that happened to me with the jaunt mm-hmm. and that was the sort of plausibleness of it all and i yeah. was like okay buddy you are starving <laughs> you're dehydrated you are at that point i don't know if he had used the heroin yet but you are mm-hmm. suffering from exposure you are wounded and burned you would not have survived that right. amputation. I believe <laughs> you would have bled to death. I mm-hmm. believe you. I'm sorry. I just can't work. So I had a hard time. So because I was like, oh, no way. This is just no way. <laughs> Reading the other as he chops off the calf mm-hmm. and then the thigh and then the other thigh <laughs> until he's a crawling stump. I was like, okay. Um, there's. You would have died like 10 mm-hmm. days ago. Like you just <laughs> would have died. I just don't feel that you're that good. Mm-hmm. I do know he had his medical bag, I believe, with him from so. the, the wreck. So I did my very best to suspend my disbelief. I really tried hard. Mm-hmm. But I, I was like, I think you just would have died, bro. You just would have <laughs> bled to death. And like without food, I, you're not clotting. Like I just... I got a B in anatomy, so I didn't do that well, but mm-hmm. I was like, I, <laughs> Steve, he would have died, okay? Like, you just, <laughs> this is impossible. But at the same time, he keeps balancing it out in the narrative. Like, he eats some of his own flesh there, he gets mm-hmm. some vitality, he starts writing coherently, and he gets that zest of, like, I'm gonna make it out of here, and... They do great things with prosthetics and I'm going to live. And you're like, you know, maybe you might. This is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. because I I had the same I had the same notion when I was reading it. So I I read this twice. In the first listen through, I had the exact same reaction. I was like, nope, trauma, shock, trauma, (laughs) death, dead immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, I'll I'll give you I'll give you the first mutation. I'll give you that one. Mm -hmm. I think you could you could pull through that, but. All the other ones, no way. But listening through the second time, I that kind of went away. And I, and I think the reason is because, several reasons, but firstly, because literally the first line of the, of the story is, you know, the question always comes up, how much shock trauma can a person survive? Yeah. And it's always answered by a question, how strong is the will to live of the person? Or I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it's something along those lines. That's the fun, interesting part of medical science is there's always a factor doctors can't grasp, right? They always tell, you know, someone gets diagnosed with cancer and the doctor's like, you got six months to live. They live for five years, right? Yeah. That's, that's just one of those things that you can't, doctors can't grasp. They can't understand a person's willpower. Um, and so that theme and that idea is reiterated several times throughout the story and so i think king kind of balances the uncanny valley uh of that um with that uh with that idea and and i appreciated that on the second read through much more also this guy is such a stubborn asshole he won't let himself (laughs) die and i mean he's 
he's literally there saying like, Oh, a, a lesser man would have passed out from the shock, but you know, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I, I think he is so ridiculous that he could have overcome this, the, the shock, the shock mm-hmm. of amputating himself so many times there, you know, in real life, Aaron Ralston, that's the guy who yeah. 127 hours guy, he actually amputated his arm and he's not, he wasn't a, wasn't a doctor. So right. he didn't do it six times or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not saying you're wrong, Kim, or that I even necessarily disagree with you. It's just, I kind of <laughs> saw both sides of it, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, multiple readings of it. Mm-hmm. Um, really? <laughs> and I appreciated both sides of that argument. So yeah. that, that was fun to explore in this mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And also to be fair, Aaron Ralston didn't go back and eat the arm. So that that's yep. also, yeah. that's also the something I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I didn't have any qualms about it. I was just more just gobsmacked by just the audacity of King to do this type of story. It it really feels like a, it feels like the type of story and th- there are some other stories like this in King's canon where it feels like he has he has this central idea he has this first like nugget of an idea and he's uh, and I have no I have no idea if this is his process at all but sometimes he has a story where he will have an idea and I feel like the entirety of the story is him working out how uh how the how to make the story as plausible as possible like the idea of a man eating himself to survive on an island alone like okay how can we how can i make that plausible how can i make that how can i look under every nook and cranny of every plot hole that i can imagine and make this as as realistic as possible and since it is such an outlandish idea you know it varies in the amount but like i'm thinking of like again not to bring back night shift but there's a story called the mangler that is about a uh, a demon possessed piece of laundry equipment in a laundromat <laughs> and the en- no. yeah oh yeah and the entire story <laughs> yeah and the entire story is him working out and working out a logical sequence of events to make it to make it at least plausible within the realm of your suspension of disbelief that oh yeah yeah okay this this piece of laundry equipment can be possessed by a demon (laughs) uh and so i don't know i just feel like these types of stories in in king's work are just so much fun to see him work out the process of it and survivor type is a really good example of of that in my opinion um yeah yeah it's it's just it's so out there and crazy and wild and just so much fun (laughs) totally the phrase that i use for survivor type is over the top the story is just over the top in every way but one of my favorite scenes and I don't know how this happened but I guess once I really let go and enjoyed what I enjoyed there's a real visceral moment when I want to say this might have been the second or third amputation and he's drooling like uncontrollable drooling and he says I'm drooling like a baby as he's preparing his limb Mm -hmm. and ready 
eat it. And it's like, okay, we've crossed over into animal survival. Yeah. And he's articulating like this body response to viewing his limb as food. And I was like, all right, this is great. I'm in it. I'm, I'm into it. Let's <laughs> That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I'm sold. Nice. Yeah. Sold, Richard. Eat your leg. Get some yeah. spank. <laughs> oh, I love um, it. Yeah. Do you? I, I, I think another fun aspect of the story was um, never comes out and says, "Cutting my foot off so I can eat it." He never mm-hmm. says that he's a, he's going cannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of wink winks at it. Um. And I thought that was fun and clever and it totally plays to the character. Cause like he doesn't want to admit that he's so weak that he has to mm-hmm. have a part of himself to eat it. Or that's, you know, that's oh. in, in almost every culture, cannibalism is considered mm-hmm. amoral, right? That's pretty, pretty universal for the most part. That's so why we're starting a letter writing campaign to Congress. To get this- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Taking the fight to the streets. Yes. Um, <laughs> bon appetit. But no. God damn. I'm it. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that's that speaks to the character, and that was really fun. That he never just comes out and says that he's like, yeah, I had to cut my foot off so I could eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, Good point. Yeah. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was I think there's a part in the there's a line he's talking about it's further down the line when he's doing his like fourth or fifth amputation, he talk about his hands shaking. It's, it's implied that he's having some adverse effects because he's eating his own flesh, eating human flesh. Is that, did I pick up on that? Did you guys pick up on that? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, and he tries to play it off like a lesser man's hands would have been shaking, but it's alluded to his might be as well. So yeah, yeah, there is a handshaky bit. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you guys picked up on that because mm-hmm. so did I. Um, and it piqued my curiosity. This is a little morbid, but um, I actually actually went and Googled like what are the effects of cannibalism? Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, well, because I've seen in other movies. Um, Dead was that was a big thing for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in like movies and stuff and stories, someone you know, if you it's supposed to be a side effect of eating human flesh is you you're get the shakes kind of mm-hmm. um and so i googled that and like looked it up and it turns out that that's like just kind of fun fact uh, well i don't know about fun but morbid fact i guess <laughs> um there's some tribe in i want to say like new guinea or something that someone studied and they had that only happens um if you eat human brains um oh, because wow. it's actually kind of it's actually kind of a myth that you get the shakes like if you just eat regular muscle tissue you're fine um but it only it comes from brain from like um brain tissue um there was a uh something that affected the the tribal people in new guinea for decades because it's part of like their funeral process they would actually eat their loved ones and they would eat the brain and there's some kind of protein Jeez. that you're body can't break down or something like that, that it's only in brain tissue. And it's actually like they, they think those proteins like or contribute to the Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or something like that. And so oh, wow. people get 
called like prion disease or something like that. I can't remember if you're, mm. if you're curious, Google it, but I thought it was kind of fascinating. Um, there was this interesting article where this guy was like, let's just take the ethics out of this and just kind of look at the science. And <laughs> it, was, it was kind of interesting. So that's kind of a bit of a myth that that happens. It only happens if you eat the brain tissue. So, wow. You guys wow. know that now you're welcome. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I would like to be the first to thank you for putting all of us on an FBI watch list. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, we've been on that watch list oh, for nine years. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm happy yeah. to welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, yeah. FBI. Hello. Yes. Um, wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm going to definitely have to look into that. Um, just. For, I wonder where yeah. the. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt. Oh, you're I wonder fine. where the shake. I wonder where the shake part came from because we've seen that a lot in film with the the road. If you guys remember that Cormac oh, McCarthy yeah. novel, that, yeah. um, that was a big thing. And then I know The Walking Dead. There were just cannibals everywhere mm-hmm. in The Walking Dead, and they that was meat was a plenty at certain communes. <laughs> and but yeah, I I really wonder where I I guess it was the the brain eating symptoms of the new guinea people like they would would mm. they shake oh, okay got you yeah that's i guess i i well the, i think the other part is there's a lot of disinformation about studying cannibalism because it's hard to study because it's mm. not a very common thing and no <laughs> that's the other aspect of it um but yeah yeah and you know that was just one article i read there could be there could be some other research out there that refutes that it, that's not entirely scientific but um i just thought that was interesting yeah that's yeah and i'm sure that king probably did plenty of research himself as well um yeah cannibalism is is definitely a crazy um a crazy subject to to mine and i can't think of if king has any real more of that kind of thing i'm i feel like there had to be something in the stand yeah um with that when um Oh gosh, uh, oh. what's his name is in the jail cell? Lloyd Henry when he's in the jail cell. Oh, that's yeah. right. Oh. Yes, I do remember that part. Yes, I do. Yes, mm-hmm. he bites the guy's leg, takes a bite out of his leg. That's right. Yeah, fun in that story too because it's it's only kind of hinted at. He doesn't really mm-hmm. come out. Lloyd doesn't come out and say, "Yeah, I hit that dude's leg." It's just yeah. sort of the man in black shows up and he's like what's going on over here is it do i see a bite out of that dude's leg and they just kind of <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um so that's i guess such a jerk like <laughs> yes a, oh yeah he's such a butthole i love it oh yeah <laughs> um i wanted to ask you guys about that last line the line that closes out the story yeah because the the sort of we are in the spoiler section right yes i, I think we are mm-hmm. okay i couldn't yeah. remember maybe my brain got eaten <laughs> nice. um so the last line of survivor type is very cool because basically throughout the story, Richard wants to protect his hands. He mm-hmm. talks about when he was in football, he would like soak them and lotion them. And he was, he just has such protection and reverence over his hands because he's a surgeon. And so in the very last moment of the story, he eats his hands and he says, they taste like lady fingers yeah. and lady fingers are cookies so (laughs) a part of me was like i don't know about that steve but he's delirious at that point and a human stump 
he has no legs and he is now, you know, the hands are, are gone and mm-hmm. the fingers, I'm assuming, are being eaten, yeah. tastes like cookies. And I was like, mm-hmm. why do you got to ruin that? Tiramisu is my favorite dessert, Steve. <laughs> like, really? Nice. <laughs> but I kind of, that last line, lady, I don't know. I, I, I guess my question is, is does it work? <laughs> does it taste like cookies? I, I can't say from experience, but I'm sure that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> unless he had like maybe a deep fryer or something or some something to to make it i don't know but um i will say like i would think that the copious amounts of heroin <laughs> in his system yeah, probably contributed um yeah uh king actually retweeted a uh, on the 14th, he retweeted someone saying, rereading Survivor Tide by Stephen King for reasons. The person was, uh, uh, I can't remember who it is, but, uh, and then King just, King just retweeted it with the quote, lady fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's so, an odd one yeah. for me. It's odd, oh, but yeah. it's, it's kind of one of those, it's like Rosebud. You're like, okay, yeah. all right, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's a good comparison actually. I think it mm-hmm. I think it was just kind of fun because it yeah. it speaks to his del- delirium, yeah. you know, at at the end. Um, and I wasn't familiar with Lady Fingers. I had to Google that. I mm. didn't even know what that was, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of funny. Yeah. All the bakers out there, when you read Survivor Type, just brace yourself. Oh yeah, you're never gonna <laughs> see Lady Finger cookies the same. Yes. You won't. It's just gonna happen. Oh yeah. I don't know if human fingers taste like Lady Finger cookies, but you can you can really work some wonders with powdered sugar. You know, <laughs> you really can. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> um, I wonder if he yeah. just had heroin all over his fingers and he's just eating uh, sprinkles <laughs> heroin. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah um i i would yeah. at that point i think <laughs> oh yeah i think we have the makings of a pretty good um a pretty good spread for a hypothetical stephen king like party um <laughs> like having like later <laughs> lady fingers and stuff having some other food um yeah i i, I like that um, <laughs> um but yeah but king had said also he's quoted as saying about the story that um As far as short stories are concerned, I like the grizzly ones the best. However, the story survivor type goes a little bit too far, even for me. Um, That's from an interview in 1985 um, with Monsterland magazine. And uh, and yeah, I I, I think that it it goes it goes pretty far, pretty far. And I appreciate the hell out of it for it. (laughs) It's so likable. Mm -hmm. It's so likable. And I. It, there, it was just a. I'm so surprised at the fascinating after effects that Survivor Type had on me. Yeah. I tried to just be like one and done, and then just thinking about it, thinking about it. It's coming up on the podcast. I get mm. to talk about it, and I was like, okay, I love this story. Like, okay, <laughs> like what happened? I hate. I don't. I don't get it. I hate this character. Mm-hmm. He's a narcissistic ass. But this is the structure of this is great. Yeah. He just makes. It's compelling. It's compelling. Yeah. Totally sucked me in. This is such a wild card for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm just trying to uh, understand, like, why do I like you, Survivor? <laughs> why? And it's, I, I am, I'm struggling, but I'm just like, you know what? It's awesome. It's just oh, yeah. awesome. Nice. 
and uh oh yeah and where would you guys rank this if you were to rank the short stories or or anything in stephen king's oeuvre I again I don't have a list but this one when I eventually get there this one will probably be pretty high on it um nice. top top 5 top 10 probably this was so fun um also just real quick I wanted to say uh, I love how the narcissism comes full circle because he actually towards the end he actually looks at his reflection in the water oh, um yeah he reacts perfectly cuz he he doesn't yeah, he doesn't he doesn't say yeah. like oh I look great or I look terrible he just says I'm just a skull with skin over it or something like that he's not even really affected by yeah why did you even bother looking in at your reflection because he almost doesn't react to it it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting but um but yeah I I love the story and I this is gonna be high on high on my list I think um it's and and you know it's funny because it was pitched to me by Kim with the aspect of um isolation and it's like it's not even my favorite part. It's not even one of my top five <laughs> favorite parts of this story. It's nice. it's all the other things. Um, so that's just a fun a fun twist, I guess, on this story. Yeah, it was awesome. Great recommendation, Kim. Yay! Yeah. I am so perplexed as to what this story has done to me. I just am like, <laughs> I don't get it. I love it. I love the hell out of it. I love this narrator. I love the structure, the style, the bombastic, over-the-top nature of it. I'm, I'm just such a fan. I think this could crack into this, the bronze. So nice. it could maybe make it into the bronze. I have a scale of five gold, five silver, five bronze for a top 15. Mm-hmm. So I think it could crack in into the bronze for sure as we'll have to see as time tells as i have more stephen king short stories to rank but this one really ran away with me the second time so could be a bronze nice nice that's awesome um so uh we can kind of start wrapping up winding down and everything um that is our review of um survivor type and yeah, definitely recommend everyone to to read it and experience it and let us know what you thought, uh, because it is it is a wild one. It is absolutely wild. Um, so uh, as we're winding down, I want to give Kim. I want to give you first uh, our extreme thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about King and uh, just being a joy to talk to as always. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys. I love you both tremendously. I'm such a fan of all the work you guys do. So thank you so much for having me on here. It's like, I feel like I'm the tricycle wheel in the back and I'm the little (laughs) sister. That's really annoying. But your guys are like, just take her. She'll just, just tag along in the back. So I'm very, (laughs) so thrilled to get to be with you guys in Chat King nice yeah well it's been a pleasure and not annoying at all i promise um (laughs) (laughs) uh so why don't you go ahead and uh give give the listeners another another elevator pitch for your show tell us where we can find um find your work and uh and and yeah and and also uh what would be the one underrated stephen king work that you would want everyone to read that you feel is underappreciated i think i've probably asked you that before on the podcast but let's do it again. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yes, my name is Kim C. I am the host hostess with the mostest of the year of underrated Stephen King. 
We are almost at our 100th episode, so it's nice. been a wonderful ride thus far. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, all of the, the big ones, Spotify, so you can find us wherever. You can also type in Stephen King Podcasts, and hopefully we'll pop up. It's a it's me in a purple mask, so, <laughs> so I can just be a woman of mystery and uh, behind the my, my book, my Stephen King book. Right now, we are making our way through Wizard and Glass, so hopefully that'll take us into the summer. Um, we'll, we're going to have some more novel analyses coming up. Oh, I picking just one, Matt. Just one. How torturous. <laughs> Torture. Um, well, if I honestly... Gosh. Duma Key, I feel, mm -hmm. is one of the most underrated gems out there. This thing is covered in beach sand. It is a gothic novel set in Florida. This has art and dark goddess, sea monster, hand of doom. This is just <laughs> an amazing novel. Um, if I want to be a huge brat and sneak in two more, uh, revival, Absolutely. but let's revival, do... <laughs> <laughs> revival and joyland. Those are oh, nice. Those would be my recommendations to anybody who wanted to dip their toe in the water of underrated King. These need film adaptations today, today. Yes. All three of these need some sort of adaptation because they are fire hot, unforgettable, worth the ride. The audiobooks for all of them are amazing. Well, if you want to give it a second chance, but we talk about all three of them on the Year of Underrated Stephen King. So hopefully you'll hang out with us and come to school where we'll, we'll talk about King like you would in a classroom. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us in Tiny. Do you have any underrated Stephen King you want to throw out? <laughs> oh, underrated Stephen King. Uh, and she kind of, well, of course, Kim had, Kim had to do three of them. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um, right, bratty sister, I told you. <laughs> I'll double down on Duma Key because I think we right. talked about that other day i it's the ending is a little goofy and i i wasn't i didn't drive with the ending but this the journey was so fun and the the main characters i loved so i kind of holds a place in the back of my head duma key so that's that's a good pick i'll double down on that nice hooray nice and uh i'll just i'll throw out night shift again <laughs> uh because i love it um all right, well, that will do it for this special edition of uh, Tower Junkies. almost forgot the name of the podcast. Um, <laughs> so thank you once again, Kim C. And you guys, make sure you check out Kim's podcast. And uh, it's just, it's a delight to have you on and uh, to chat with you again. Um, and uh, yeah, as we wind down, just another quick uh, plug, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer doing the Church of King. I've got a ton of stuff on there at the $2 level. Uh, at $1 level, you get B-roll episodes and early access to content. $2 gets you book reviews, TV reviews, movie reviews, um, a bunch of stuff. And, uh, and then $5 gets you commentary tracks and uh, Patreon poopery, which is just me talking about movies I see. And then $10 gets you all of that plus a uh, monthly wrap-up uh, and stat sharing for my viewing because I'm insane. So anyway, um, <laughs> check that out. Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. 
Kim, thank you so much for joining us, and we will definitely have you back soon. We still need to do our uh, big um, hard case crime series. I have not forgotten about that. Oh my god, yes! Yes. Yes, we got it. That is definitely, thank definitely, you, yeah, definitely going to be done. So, uh, thank you, and uh, yeah, oh, our sign-up. Uh, long days and pleasant nights? May you have twice the number. Choice the number. I know what that means now. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. So, uh, Howie, um, the the narrator of the story is writing down his thoughts as he has just taken a um he has taken a drug that is going to kill him it is going to end his life um he has exposed himself to the thing that has ended you know a a very very large amount of uh humanity so as time is unfolding as he is as he is like rushing toward his death he is writing out this story, and I've got to say that if you are, if you, if you're a fan of uh, Kim C's podcast, the Year of Underrated Stephen King, um, you'll know that she is a big champion of of reading the uh, reading the physical story while um, also uh, listening to the audiobook and kind of doing that hand in hand. This is the perfect example for a story that belongs, uh, that, that yearns to be experienced in that format, because as the story progresses, uh, the narrator's, uh, mental faculties very, very drastically deteriorate. And, uh, as such, the writing gets very, very, um, degraded and the grammar is all wrong. The spelling is all wrong. And what's really interesting about this is that this happens relatively suddenly toward the end of the story. Toward the end of the story, this just kind of rushes up to us. And I really, really like that because it gives us plenty of time to get all of this information out from King. And then as it accelerates very rapidly, it just kind of lands with a with a big punch um, at the end. So I really appreciate that about the story. This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.